Let's talk about contentment. Are you a contented person? How do you know if you are? How did you get there? Maybe another question, a better question could be, is it possible to get to the point in your spiritual life where external things do not control you internally? And that is really the dynamic that you want to think about as far as assessing yourself to see whether you are a contented person. And of course, when I talk about being contented, I'm not talking about in the moment as though it is an episode, but I'm talking about being characterized as a contented person. Would you say that your day-to-day deportment, the way that you live your life and the way that other people experience you is that of a contented person? The question is, can you get to that place in your life? For those of you who have lived for multiple decades, you have seen such an evolution as far as the change of our culture, the speed in which we are living, the internet, social media, the frenetic pace that we live, and you know that it's harder and harder to be a contented person, but the Bible says it is possible. But here's the key. Do you want to experience contentment? You can not just in an episode, not just for today or this week, but you can be characterized by contentment. The Bible teaches us how to do that, but the key is you will only learn contentment as you move through the portal of adversity. And that's why I titled the podcast, Adversity is the Condition that Teaches You Contentment. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me at rickthomas.net. I'm so glad that you, you are here. I am glad that you you are listening. I was talking to Marcy earlier today. She is one of our Mastermind students, and she said one of the most special things that she likes about these articles is the very last thing in so many of them. I was curious as to what that is, and she said... You say a lot of times that you need to share this with another person, and I thought, that is really good. Not that I said it, but that she perceived that, not only perceived that I say it often, but she's talking about the benefit of it. You can't do sanctification in a silo. You can't do sanctification alone. You do sanctification in a community And it is imperative, it is vital for you to be sharing the things that God is teaching you to other people. Part of that is so that you can articulate it. If you can share it to another person, if you can articulate it, if you can say in clear, concise, logical ways what God is teaching you, then you will begin to own it, and it will begin to own you. Now, that's one of the reasons, but another one is is that you want to build that community because you may be having a good day today, But tomorrow is a different story, and so is next week and next month and next year. And if you are investing in people's lives by sharing what God is doing for you, with you, through you, in you, and you're asking them to speak into your life and to to have that shared faith when those hard times do come, you will have someone that will know you. They've already invested. You've already invested in them. They have the data on you already. They will not be a learning curve. They will they will not be there will not be mystery as to who you are because you have been proactively, intrusively putting yourself in other people's lives. And so Marcy was saying, Yeah, I like that part that you put at the end of a lot of your 
call to actions. Will you share this with another person? And I'm going to ask you to do that with this podcast as well. And if you want to read the full transcript of what I'm sharing with you right now, you can do that. Go to our website, look for this article, Adversity is the Condition that Teaches You Contentment. You'll also find it under the Contentment category on our website. So just look for Contentment and click on it under the Category section, and then you'll find this article. But this idea of finding contentment through the portal of adversity, this is the truth that Paul was hoping that the Philippians will learn. Let me share the verse with you, and then we'll work through it in the remainder of the podcast. The verse, or the verses, are Philippians 4, 11, and 12. These two verses here, profound verses. You know what verse 13 is. And so often we share verse 13, but we don't share it in context. Verse 13 is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that is true. But if you interpret that verse in isolation, you could make it be anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means if I jump off a mountain, if I jump off Everest, I I can do all things. I'll survive. No, probably not. That's not what that verse means. But if you if you put it in context with verses eleven and twelve, Paul will tell you what the all things that you can do through Christ who strengthens you. Here it is, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. And it's important that you focus on this word learned. Paul was educated in God's school. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned, there it is again, the secret of placing, of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Do you see the spectrum here? Brought low and abound. That covers everything. But just in case you're not perceiving what I'm saying, Paul, he says plenty, hunger. You see the spectrum again. As far one way as you can go, you're experiencing plenty. And as far as you can go the other way, you're experiencing hunger. And then he says, a third time, a third way, abundance, I have it all, and need, I need something right now. And then he launches into verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The all things is I can be brought low. I can abound. I can face plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Make a note of the comprehensiveness of the extremes. Life uh, life could bring the apostle low, or it could make him abound. Paul could face plenty and abundance, or hunger and need. The situation did not matter to Paul. He was content under any circumstance and in any context. He had learned This secret to living well in God's world. The Lord had put him through the rigors of his educational system. And Paul came out on the other side with the precious jewel of contentment. There is a simplicity on the other side of complexity, which Paul found only after going through many life-adjusting events 
the path to contentment is contrary to how our culture teaches us to find happiness. And that's why I titled the podcast this way, Adversity is the Condition. And Paul went through the rigors of adversity, but he learned how to be content in all ways. And that is so countercultural. The goal of the marketing gurus, the culture, is to create discontentment. That's what they want to do. Do you know that's what they're doing when you're watching television and listening or watching these commercials or other things that you're looking at that the culture trots before our eyes? They're trying to create discontentment. They want to make you unhappy with the hope of motivating you to buy their products, which they say is the final right answer for the sad soul. Think about what Ecclesiastes said. Solomon said this in 1.8. He said, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. They're saying you can be satisfied if you buy their product. And Solomon is saying that the, the eye is never satisfied with seeing and the ear is never filled with hearing. You see, their methods are cycles that lead to ever-increasing desperation. These purveyors of our souls have duped us into participating in the endless loop of mind control while growing our appetites for one more thing. It goes like this. Here's the sequence. I am not happy. What I need is what they have to offer. Then I will be happy. So I buy what they are selling And like an addict in search of another bump, I go back for more. My heart stays restless and desperate. I am not happy. You see the cycle? In Psalm 23, 1, the shepherd said, David is writing as a sheep, looking at his shepherd, and the sheep says, David is pinning this, the sheep says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Contentment needs to be understood to have it, you got to understand it. If you do not know what it is, if you do not know what contentment is, you may swerve off course looking for it in the wrong places only to come back empty, like this cycle that I was sharing with you earlier. I am not happy. What I need is what they have to offer. Then I will be happy. So I buy what they are sell- selling and like an attic and search for another bump. I, I go back for more. My heart stays restless and desperate. I am not happy. And you will swerve off course, and you will come back empty. That's the cycle. Paul described contentment as having two parts. Here they are. The two parts are to be full or to be complete. That's one part of contentment, to be full and complete. And number two, to have self-satisfaction. I'll explain that one in just a moment. But let's take a look at fullness or completeness. To be full or to be complete. It's analogous to finishing a fabulous meal and being filled. I'm not talking about being stuffed, you know, bloated, (laughs) eating too much at Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about that. That's not a good feeling, by the way, and many of us have experienced that. But I'm talking about just being filled. You lean back in your chair and you moan the moan that signals to everyone that you have all you need And there is no desire for anything else. Now, hopefully you have had that experience. You lean back in your chair 
and you moan the moan. And it does signal. Everybody in the room, they, they know, they can interpret what you are moaning accurately, that you are full. You are complete. You have no need of anything else. You're not hungry in any way, and you're not stuffed to the gills. You're complete. That is fullness. But the other part of contentment is satisfaction, self-satisfaction. Now, when I talk about self-satisfaction, it does not mean you're satisfied with yourself. I love me. I am so satisfied with myself. Well, that's kind of narcissistic. And so I'm not talking about being satisfied with yourself, but that you're satisfied by yourself. You see, this type of happiness is to be independent, separated, not controlled by your circumstances. Self-satisfaction by yourself. You're not in need of something to where you're managed by something outside of yourself. This level of maturity is a satisfaction of the mind that is not manipulated by other people or any situation. A person who is full, complete, moaning the moan at the dinner table. And is satisfied. Imagine if you were full and you were satisfied, then you're free from the pressures and the manipulations of the world. These type of people are not separated from the world, as though the world does not matter. But the world does not control them. That's the idea. You're not satisfied with yourself, but you're satisfied by yourself. To be contented does not mean you're indifferent to your circumstances. You're very much aware of what's going on in your life, but you're contented. To be contented does not mean you will not struggle with hardships. That's why you would not be satisfied with yourself, because you always want to change. But you're satisfied by yourself to where you are not managed by these things. To be contented does not mean you will stop buying things. To be contented does not mean you will cease from striving to change things. To be contented does not mean you will resign yourself to what will be will be. No, contentment does not release you from caring about the cares of life, but it frees you from being controlled by the cares of life. Jesus always cared, always pursued. Jesus always fought for change, but he was not under the spell of worldly temptations. Jesus had an internal gyroscope that kept him stable even when there were storms, read Mark 4, starting at verse 35, Christ submitted himself to his Father, which prevented him from succumbing to lesser insignificant powers. This is something that we have to learn. You will not find this kind of contentment in a drive-through culture where you supposedly realize dreams instantaneously. The most satisfied people are those who put themselves under the Lord's tutorship for years. Contentment is something that you learn. Paul said, I have learned. It's acquired knowledge that comes through skill and experience. It is a process that you submit to, a process where the Lord burns contentment deep into your soul. Paul said it this way, as I read, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then again, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. The Lord led Paul into the initiation of the secret that did not come to him all at once. 
He did not learn contentment until the Lord guided him into situations that would transform him over an extended period. The only way Paul could learn this secret of the contented life when facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need was by walking with the Lord through those dangers, through those toils, and through those snares. This secret to contentment is similar to the process of most things we learn. Anybody can say they have learned the secret of marriage. But if they have not been married or have not suffered the hardships of marriage, then it is not valid. Imagine somebody coming to you and they, <laughs> they're they not married. An 18-year-old young man or an 18-year-old young lady comes to you and says, I have learned the secret of marriage. No, you haven't. You may have read some books. You may have observed your parents. But you haven't learned the secret of marriage, not until you go through it. You can't learn the secret of high-level life lessons if you have never experienced them. You can have theoretical knowledge, hypothetical knowledge, but you will not have experiential knowledge because you have not lived them, lived through it. Paul went through what appeared to be never-ending challenges. His adversity is why he could say that he had learned contentment. The proof was in the pudding, or in his case, the proof was in his heart, and that is where contentment is. You can't fake this. His two requirements for contentment were, one, severe and challenging circumstances, two, the constant practice of humbly responding to the Lord through those circumstances. If you possess these two things, then you can say with Paul, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. The proof is in your heart, and the two requirements for contentment are, one, severe and challenging circumstances, and two, the constant practice of humbly responding to the Lord through those circumstances. All of life is a process of learning contentment. Everything that happens to you is to teach you how to be content. Your life story, the one the Lord is writing for you, is a process of practicing contentment. The blending of the ups and the downs throughout your day are opportunities for you to learn and apply this secret about a piece that most people do not understand and have not learned the secret Paul learned was previously a mystery to him. And as he labored through his circumstances with the Lord, he began to understand the secret of contentment. And what was that secret? It was this. God is always working in us for his glory and our good. The Lord allows all things into our lives to initiate a whole new way of thinking and living for him and others. My friend and fantastic preacher Charlie Boyd said it this way, God is always at work in you, using everything that happens to you as his initiation process into life and contentment. You will not find God's contentment in a book because there are areas in the Christian life that are more mysterious than methodological. You must learn some lessons over and over and over and again and again and again. 
most of us want a book that gives us five to seven steps that will show us the way to a happier life. You cannot reduce God's word or his ways to principles and takeaways. While they're, or quotes on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you like to like your favorite quotes and pictures, there can be some benefit to plans and processes. Those things will not bring transformation to your soul, however. Methods, behavioral, superficial, these are ways that do not penetrate to the secret mysteries of the heart. Only the Spirit of God, working in tandem with the Word of God with your humble cooperation, can place this kind of jewel inside of you. You see, contentment is an inside-to-outside experience not outside to inside process. There's a difference. Contentment is an inside to outside experience, not an outside to inside. You see, our culture teaches us to pamper ourselves on the outside so we'll find satisfaction on the inside. You see how backward that is? We know that approach doesn't work. The eye is never full of seeing and the ear is never full of hearing. There is no amount of external behavioral pleasure you can bring to yourself that will satisfyingly fill you on the inside. The search for contentment is up to you. What choice will you make? Will you take the hard road by living your life from the inside to the outside, or will you pursue the insatiable route of working from the outside to the inside? The outside to inside life is external, and the only way you can manage it is by controlling all of your circumstances. If you want to have peace and you believe that peace comes by externals to the inside, outside to the inside, then you'll have to manage all of your, you have to control everything in your life. If you can bring all of your daily and life events under the power of your sovereign care, you'll be able to enjoy contentment. You'll live in a perfect world because you can control everything. Now, this process will require you to keep all the bad things from you while permitting only good outcomes to enter into your control center on the inside. This mindset means you'll need to control all present situations while predicting future events so you can position yourself to bend those future events to your favor. Do you hear how ludicrous this is? You will not experience contentment from the outside to the inside. The inside to outside life is internal first of all. It is counterintuitive to our world, which means it falls in line with the gospel because the gospel is counterintuitive to our world. This kind of life acknowledges and embraces weakness over strength. Paul said it this way in 12.10 of 2 Corinthians. He said, for the sake of Christ, then I am content. With weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions, with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The contented person is quicker to say, not my will, but yours be done. It is not that he has no personal power. It's not that you do not have any ability whatsoever. But it's that that you choose not to use it. You submit your strength for the more significant might of the Lord. Now, in this way, the contented person is stronger than the self-reliant person who's trying to control every aspect of their lives because the contented person is relying on someone stronger. Are you hearing the counterintuitive message of the gospel here? When I am weak, then I am strong. When you are weak, you are stronger than the strongest person that you know. 
The self-reliant person is trying to manage their entire world, and they have power, but that power works under limitations. If you are leaning into the power of God, you're submitting your power, your self-reliance, your strength, your ability, your capacities to one who is stronger then the contented person is stronger than the self-reliant person because you're relying on someone who is stronger. I read to you earlier a quote from uh, Charlie Boyd. He also described this outside-to-inside people like thermometers and the inside-to-outside people like thermostats. And so if you're an outside-to-inside person, you're like a thermometer, I'll explain. But if you're like an inside-to-outside person, you're like a thermostat. You see, outside people who seek to bring contentment to themselves through external means are like thermometers, an instrument that is controlled by what is happening on the outside. The thermometer is controlled by what is going on on the outside. And people who try to control their world, they are affected on the inside. They're like thermometers. But inside-out people who seek contentment through the internal work of God in their hearts are like thermostats. They set the temperature in the room. They regulate what the temperature will be. If it is hot outside, they move the thermostat down to cool the room. If it's cold out, they turn the thermostat up to elevate the heat in the room. Thermometers are controlled and manipulated by the environment while thermostats decide how things will be in the room. The former, thermometers are reactive. Thermostat people, they are proactive. The title of this podcast is Adversity is the Condition that Teaches You Contentment. I've been looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And then he launches into our great bumper sticker, verse 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the greater power. And if you're leaning into God's power, then you're leaning into something that's stronger than anything that you can conjure up or control in your life. I want to give you a couple of call-to-actions or a few call-to-action questions to think about as you process this, this podcast. The first one is, what situation in your life is trying to move you from contentment to discontentment? So think about something that's going on in your life. Now, maybe you're having just a wonderful life right now, and perhaps you need to roll the video back a little farther into your past, but I want you to think about a situation that was trying to move you from contentment. I am at contentment. That's where I am. But I feel myself being pushed toward discontentment. In that situation, are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? Remember, the thermometer is being controlled by outside elements. Are you being controlled by outside elements? You see this all the time, especially in social media. We all have access to it. Somebody will say something that's an external thing that's happening, and the person reacts impulsively to it. They are thermometers. They are reactionary. 
but are you so managed by God on the inside that no matter what happens, you're like a, a thermostat, no matter what happens, you're not reacting to it. Do not miss Paul's point about how you arrive at contentment. It is a learned condition of the heart that comes from discerning and applying the Lord's work in your life through years of constant practice. It reminds me of Hebrews 5.14 that says, But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment, tra- discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil, you must practice constantly. The first step in acquiring contentment is a simple acknowledgement, quote, I know the Lord is working in my life through this circumstance. That is an excellent first step, making this acknowledgement that God is working in your life through this circumstance. Name the circumstance the Lord has brought into your life. Now, here's a few questions for you to answer. Do you believe he allows the highs the lows, the plenty, the hunger for your good, yes or no? Question two, do you believe God has brought this situation to you? Number three, is your first reaction to your difficulty to seek the Lord, hoping to learn from Him? Is that, is your, first, is that, is that your first question? Number four, or do you immediately seek to take control of the situation, trying to turn it to your desired and predetermined outcome? How you answer questions three and four, your first reaction to the difficulty or immediately trying to control it, will tell you if you're on the path to contentment or the road to ever-increasing relational dysfunction. If you'd like to talk about this podcast, please let us know. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.